What is going on, everyone? Real Serving News and Movie Act on Crack. And so, for our featurette today, we're going to be bringing you now just a, a whole nother analysis. So, instead of really doing much of a critique and fixing of a script, we're going to be breaking down a movie that I've actually really wanted to break down on this podcast so many times, but I've not gotten around to it. So, it is kind of a disappointment that I won't be breaking down Taxi Driver, but I, what I will be breaking down is what everyone considers the ripoff of Taxi Driver to be Joker. Yes, guys, people think Joker is a ripoff of Taxi Driver and King Comedy. And to them I say, well, this podcast will answer the question, we'll answer it later. So, I'll give you all a quick summary of what happened with Joker and just what happened. So, last October, the movie released... You know, there was so much anticipation behind it, mostly because the actor portraying it, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he had went major lengths to go for the role, or to actually prepare for the role, losing 50 pounds, only eating an apple, and I think just coffee and water. That's all he lived off of when he prepared for the role. And so there was a lot of anticipation behind both the acting, the, the trailer too from Venice, the reviews from Venice were really good at the film festival, so... A lot of people were getting really excited, and rightfully so. Right away, we were getting a very gritty adaptation of a comic book character everyone knows and loves. And so this isn't your typical comic book movie where it's light heart humor like the MCU. This is more grounded, a lot more dark. And so what, Ta- what Todd Phillips did was decide, hey, what if we explore the mind of this iconic character and then give it a little bit of a spice from 1980s New York? And that is what Joker became. And... I can understand why people would call this a ripoff. It has the pretty similar settings, the similar premise. But I'm going to tell you guys why, why, or I'll just talk about it, but I'll give you all my opinion on this whole thing, on this whole affair. But what is, I think, really surprising is how well it did. Like, it, obviously, the Joker's marketing was definitely what helped. It definitely was like, oh, it's a comic book character. Let's watch it. But not only that, but it also made billions of dollars at the box office, which more than shows the impact it's had on cinema. Not only has it been making so much money, but then the media started talking about it. Some people thought it was a threat of violence. Others analyzed it and only saw it as a a cautionary tale slash reminder that we should be watching our people with mental illness. Well, I got something very different out of this story. I didn't get a story about reminders of mental illness, although that is a really common theme and pretty much is the biggest theme. And I'll admit, it's pretty surface level. It does a lot of this very surface levelly, and you kind of see it. I wrote three reviews of this movie. One of them was kind of a joke review. The other two were more like, yes, I'm going to talk about it in a brief summary. And, I mean, I when I first time I watched it, which was six days after the movie came out, I went with my friend... Uh, Rody show you on the podcast. Uh, we went to the Cineplex before COVID, and we just saw the movie, and we were dead silent the whole time. We were gritting. No, no, we were, we were not gritting, but, you know, we were sitting down, eyes just glued to the screen at what was in front of us. We were so immersed in the world that the pacing didn't even matter to us. It was just perfect. perfect. In the moment, it was, at least. And so I tensed up over the performance I even started crying because of how good he was. Like, there was one scene where, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie, he finds out that he truly was uh, tortured. He truly was a tortured soul. 
from his mom and his mom was a terrible mom and you see him cry and in that moment i just i always just tear up man and i don't know if it's because a lot of the the ticks in the movie that walking phoenix expresses are very much similar to mine although i'm not of course a loner who's going to commit a big crazy genocide on television but i do share i think a lot of those like childlike qualities of the character arthur fleck in this and i think that's what made him like grounded to me i think that's why i kept watching really i really did want all this i really rooted for this character even though he was a villain he was always going to be a villain we all knew the character's name is joker but all we were giving is a reimagined backstory of the character and that was one of the main intentions of Todd Phillips' movie. And he had written this with Scott Silver. And he also directed the whole thing. And he, he primarily took a lot of inspiration from Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. That stuff's common knowledge. And it's pretty obvious. In fact, a little too obvious. So the question everyone asks a lot is like, is it really derivative? Most people like to say yes. That's the popular opinion. And coming from someone who's only watched Taxi Driver, I'll just say this. I think the cinematography definitely captures the same style, but the biggest difference or the biggest uh, juxtaposition between the two is really the score. If you watch Taxi Driver and you just listen to the score, what you're getting is a lot more of a somber. It's kind of like a, a little dreamlike, actually. It's kind of like an essence, and you feel like you're in this world of just... It's kind of like... The, the, the sinister part of the world is a lot more hidden. It's not as it's not as obvious. It's more relaxed and slow-burning. Joker is a lot more intense. It's like a nightmare, and I'm quoting my dad there. That's what he thought the first time I saw it. But in my opinion, it was a lot more... Yeah, it was a lot more intense. It was a lot more... It was a lot more, like, focused. It was really, really focused on the first-person aspect of this story and i think that's why it comes across like a nightmare because we are very much in a nightmare of gotham we're literally in the mind of a villain if we think about it and it does allow for some really good things i think and that's why the perform and it really this kind of movie really depends on an amazing performance to work and that's why it does work as well as it does it really is walking phoenix's role and it really is his one to own and he deserved every bit of that oscar don't tell me Adam Driver did because he did not have seen Marriage Story. But going back to, I think, my thoughts on the performance, it's really one that's like you have to really – you have to find a balance between sympath getting the audience's sympathy while also just portraying a brutal, brutal character who just gets so much suffering and pain to them. There's so much pain you have to carry, and it's delivered all so well. And I think a lot of people really underrated this aspect so much because they focus on the writing, but I personally think Todd Phillips did a better job directing than writing. And I think he he's always been a pretty solid director. He did mostly comedies, so to come out with Joker was definitely out of left out of left field, but I actually thought his directing was really good. He tells the story visually in a really, really good way, and he manages to capture some good angles, some little bits of humor. He tries to add some humor to provides some breathing room a little bit of space and it works most of the time especially yes i'll be honest when he does hit that little exit sign and he as he enters the hospital it's a little bit cringe but i think it's kind of needed to keep that like you know whimsical aspect of the character and we see arthur fleck he runs like a comedian he is a comedian so 
this story is about a comedian who literally like that is a failure in many ways but it's not really yeah he's a failure so in many ways it kind of has to have that little bit whimsy humor and i really like that part of the movie he, it's directed like that throughout most of it but then you obviously get the serious aspects where he's in the bathroom dancing or when he's on the subway and i think that's where the music really stands apart from the music and taxi driver and so hilder i can't really say her last name i'm not gonna try to butcher it i'm not gonna try to butcher it but her her score is amazing it's really actually the best part it's even better than the performance because it elevates everything going on in it allows for the character to unfold eventually the chaos erupts and immediately the music rises above it and it's really well done i think it actually does separate from taxi driver in that specific aspect and i really don't get why everyone compares it so much to that movie like it's more i think it's more because of the setting and the premise to be honest but I think this movie is definitely more like King of Comedy. I'm going to agree with that statement. And I'll get more as to why I think that as well. But anyways, to give more background on this movie, Joaquin Phoenix, he had wanted to do a comic book role, but he wanted it to be like very low budget. He didn't want to be in like some Marvel movie, which is why he turned on Doctor Strange, because he didn't want to have to, well, you know, he didn't want to have to take responsibilities. He didn't want to do that. The MCU would have not allowed him to be in this movie or... Uh, don't worry, you won't get far on foot, or you'll never be here, or you were never really here. That's what it's called. But yeah, anyways, he would just not have had much time to do projects he would have wanted to do. So it's really actually a very smart decision that he decided to pick this project because not only does it really test his abilities as an actor and show his abilities as an actor, it is in many ways, I think, a pretty... It does have a bit of moments where it does separate, I think, from the sources it's inspired by. And... A lot of those sequences are, I think, more especially the ending sequence and definitely the second act. Like, the first act, it's well set up. We're already thrown in the situation. We do get a lot of moments where he's just tortured to straight hell. And that's kind of where I think the movie just portrays the brutal agony of his character. And, okay, being I've read this part of the screenwriting book, Save the Cat, there are many ways you can gain a an audience's sympathy with a character. One way being you either make him do a good action, make him likable in that sense. You make him suffer consequences early on so that right away you're kind of with the character. Or you just let you just make the character just, you know, someone you can root for. Give him a fourth wall because fourth wall allows for uh, more intimacy or narration. But narration would not work for Joker. Instead of that, they decided to go with a very uptight, really close cinematography for a movie, mostly because that's what they need. They need to be in the perspective of Arthur, who's very mentally deranged. And this leads to a bit of some tricks, I guess, they use with the writing, where they make a lot of twists happen where, say, oh, the girl wasn't real and whatnot. And there are kind of little moments where you can pick up that the cinematography is definitely, like, the grain is a little different, or certain lighting is different you kind of see those colors emerge which is why i think another reason why this movie works cinematography is just nailed down to the core i don't think lauren sure definitely a long time collaborator plot films would have done a better job with this he, he couldn't have done any better this is amazing
Honestly, cinematography does kind of help also the performances too. If you really think about it, they have to capture different angles. You also kind of capture certain emotions in the lights. And you see that a lot in the Murray show scene. This is, I think, a very different scene from... It's definitely one that's definitely a homage to King of Comedy because Robert De Niro plays the talk show host and in the in the King of Comedy, Robert De Niro played Rupert Pumpkin, someone who was a comedian who idolized a talk show host. And that's, that is a subplot in this movie and that's why everyone says it's the ripoff it is, but I'm going to say why it is a little bit different and like a only there's only really one different theme I feel like that makes it kind of stand out but nevertheless the base core is very much a derivative story so that's kind of the background I'm going to give for this movie Robert De Niro's in it I kind of forgot to mention that until recently he kind of appears as Murray Franklin this in many ways he is he is the talk show host that does play a part in his downfall and I think another really interesting thing to uh, keep in mind about this movie is that there's really no voice or reason if you really think about it there isn't a voice or reason for arthur to go to arthur he kind of does his reasoning by believing he's going to make others happy that's we we get that established and it's not done it is done kind of with exposition but you also kind of see that in the opening scene without even any words he puts on a smile boom he can't smile immediately you kind of know what kind of character you're getting into and his motivation and intention. You kind of get that. And by the end of the movie, you kind of see how he becomes someone who wants to please everyone to someone who wants to kill everyone. It's kind of, it's interesting. That's actually a really good character arc. And he is perhaps the only character with any sort of development whatsoever. Murray Franklin gets little to no development, as does Sophie uh, Dumont, I believe that's the girl character, who does turn out to figure out um, who Arthur Fleck is. Apparently, they had only had one interaction the whole movie, so that's kind of interesting. And then you got the uh, Pe- Arthur's mom, Penny. She is, in many ways, a person who you really hate, and that's mostly because she did torture him. You don't know this right away, but you can tell the relationship is very much... It's not on good terms. It's not on milkshake. It's on very hot lava. And it's that kind of relationship where the tension really does boil with Arthur himself. Arthur is not only at odds with the people around him, he's at odds with himself. And it really does add a lot to this character. And so that's really what I think about the summary in terms of performances, cinematography, all that good stuff. So right now we're going to take a quick break. But later after this break, I'm going to be talking a bit more about the message of this movie. Like, what is the message? What is this movie trying to tell us? That's life, and as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks stomping on a dream. Oh, hey guys, sorry, I was just singing That's Life. It's that really good song again, Joker. Yeah, Frank Sinatra is pretty, pretty much huge in this movie, actually. So, back on the break, 
I was gonna get around to the messages movie, and this is where I'm gonna admit it definitely isn't inspired at all. It definitely it's derivative, but it's done I think with a little bit of difference. And I really think it's about father figures, man. Not only is this a cautionary tale for the mentally ill, but it's also really a story about a guy who just needs a father figure in his life. Arthur Fleck, throughout the whole movie, is really searching for his father. He imagines one at first, which is what this King Comedy subplot is, and that's in the form of Murray Franklin, who's the ideal father that he never had. And it's him throughout the whole movie, he's searching for his father. He believes it to be Bruce Wayne, who Penny Fleck had worked with at one point, possibly consummated with having a baby being Arthur. And that's where he goes on this personal journey for himself. That's where I think this story differs from Taxi Driver and K&A Comedy. Taxi Driver doesn't have um, Travis Bickle trying to find a father. It has Travis Bickle doing his job as a taxi driver, slowly getting involved into the story of the politician. All the while going to porn theaters and, and getting with girls. That's what Travis Bickle goes through. What Arthur goes through is a lot more personal. It's a lot more tumultuous. It's a lot more intense. And as this personal journey continues, he becomes more like Joker because not only does he kill people in the subway, which was out of self-defense, but then he kills the last one out of cold blood, then he starts to kind of realize his true enemy. And it kind of does, when he does eventually think he's found his father, that's when he's immediately disappointed. And this is a scene that I really don't like, and I'm going to really say why. So... Arthur gets into the theater, you know, he watches the film, he goes to the bathroom, he finds Thomas Wayne there. He thinks that it's going to be that big moment where he says, Arthur, I'm your son, you know, it's like that I'm your son moment. And so that doesn't really happen. And immediately he's disappointed and he starts lashing out on society. But this is where I get so annoyed. He's like, what is it with you people? He's saying stuff to my mother. Yeah, that's literally how he speaks. But anyways, the point is, He's making a very vague assumption about everything. This isn't good script writing because right away, not only are you being specific enough with the dialogue, you're you're making a blunt accusation against something. It's like making an argument without no evidence. And that's kind of why I wasn't a fan of this scene. And I didn't really like how like they were trying to immediately idolize Arthur's situation, saying, oh, we should sympathize for the poor, poor and not for the rich. And I really didn't like that scene for that exact reason, because he's literally confronting the next mayor of Gotham. And that and that really kind of got me annoyed in the sense like, okay, but shouldn't we also try to care for the rich too? It's like, it's trying to argue that we should be on one side, but then it's also trying to tell us, well, is, is the father justified in punching Arthur? And it just never, nothing really gets answered in that scene. It doesn't feel like a complete scene, and it wasn't a scene that I was really a fan of. But anyways, it really is a story about fatherhood. And he does actually meet Murray Franklin. But then he realizes Murray Franklin's also bad. And that's mostly because Murray Franklin accused or basically insulted Arthur on his, or, you know, he insulted Arthur from his last comedic show. That's the reason why he's noticed, though. He's recognized because Arthur bombed on stage. That's the only reason why he's on stage. His greatest failure led to his greatest success. But... Anyways, it really does show that you, we really shouldn't try to idolize our heroes. We shouldn't try to 
idolize someone who could possibly be a father if we never had one. It's trying to tell us, this movie is trying to give us this theme of having a father. You should have a father to go up to and be upfront with and actually trust. We shouldn't try to idolize another father figure just because we hated our own. And I feel like Joker is trying to tell us that all the while giving us a personal journey and mental illness, crime, definitely the can comedy vibe. Now, now I'm going to ask this question. Is it derivative? Is it derivative of can comedy? Yes, it is. It really is derivative. And I really like to say this because when you're having a comedian, an actual comedian idolizing a talk show host, you're literally just saying the can comedy subplot or can comedy plot. So I am going to say it is derivative to can comedy with the plot. And that is really a big gripe I have. That's why this movie isn't quite a perfect 5 out of 5. As much as I want to rate it that, and I still kind of have it as that, I kind of give it a 4.5 or a 4 for that primary reason. Does not deserve the, the accolades as received for that area. I mean, it just, why, really? It is, it's so heavily inspired that you just can't help but think that you're watching King of Comedy. And while I do like how it's kind of trying to assure us that we should try to look for a better father figure, it is also doing it in a very similar way. When it could have at least tried to have different execution to give us at least a fresher take on the story. In, inspiration is fine, right? Just don't make it look like a derivative piece. That is the true argument everyone says. Mostly people agree. I agree with that statement heavily. I definitely agree. But I also think there are moments where it does try to be something different. And that's where I go into like you know the father figure stuff. Because I feel like that is something that does make it very different. Who was Joker's father? You know, you never really asked us. We never really asked who the villain's parents were. And that's why I really liked how... It was him really trying to find that, but he never did. So now he kind of turned on society because he became loose. He became someone who was beyond help. And that is definitely something that we should be concerned about. And I'm not just talking about for mentally ill people. I'm just talking about for people who don't get so closely monitored, people who don't get raised well enough. It is also about warning us about parenthood too, and I think in some scenes, especially the one where the, we get the young Penny Fleck. And she's talking about how sweet of a boy he was with that laugh when all the laugh was was really a part of his mental condition. Which makes this story all the more tragic of a tale. So, overall, I'm, I am going to go with the ending. Trust me, I'll talk more about the ending because the ending is very, it's very on edge. But otherwise, I think I am a really good fan of Joker. I will continue to love Joker. It is the film... That got that kind of got me into Taxi Driver, to be honest. I've heard of Taxi Driver, but I wasn't so serious about film then. And I'll be honest, before I even watched Joker, I was someone who watched comfort movies or movies that I wanted to watch right away. Today, I'm trying to watch new material. You know, I branched out into David Lynch, who I definitely want to make a video about once I watch all his films. You know, I tried, I tried Richard Linklater. He's not one of my favorite directors ang lee is really awesome in my opinion if you exclude you know gemini man but and now todd phillips might be on my list now because while i don't really like him as a writer to be honest i do love his directing and if he could just get another project where he isn't writing the script but he's directing 
I'd be down to see that. I would watch that in a heartbeat because I feel like he could he has the potential to make a really a really original directed piece. And I feel like Joker wasn't original enough for him, but it definitely did make me keep an eye on. And I think he did deserve the best director nomination, although I do think he was the weakest nominee. He did still deserve it. And that that's really all I have to say about the direction. It does I'll agree, it does have its moments where it just screams, Oh my god, that's taxi driver. Oh my god, that's king of comedy. Yeah, I I understand. Trust me, people, I, I do understand your your struggle. So now I'm gonna go on to the ending of this movie. So it ends with Obviously, it brings us the scene with Bruce's mother and father dying, like the iconic comic book, you know, where Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. But that doesn't happen all the way. It just shows Bruce's mom and dad dying. Then we get a scene where he's in an asylum. This is presumably far after his takeover of Gotham. We see him talking to a therapist. This therapist is, not only is she physically similar to the one we see him talking to in the beginning... But the room is also very different too, although by very similar structure. It's a box. It's a white box. I always thought the scene was in his head, by the way. It's always left. They leave us up to interpretation, but I really think that scene is in his head. And all that stuff that's going on is his mental state. And when he escapes the asylum dancing around at the end, that's him really showing that he's free. He's a free man now. His brain has been mentally freed from all the pain he suffered and all the trauma. That's why I think it all takes place in his head at the end. But if I want to be honest, he does start laughing about a joke he writes involving Bruce Wayne's parents dying. But that's not the main joke. The main joke is that as a new villain was born, that the hero was born on the same night as the villain. Honestly, this joke only really makes sense if you know who Batman is, so I'd not even call it a good joke. But anyways, it ends with him, with the therapist saying, oh, what are you laughing about? And then Arthur's like, you wouldn't get it. Yeah, that's how the movie ends. With a simple line of, you wouldn't get it. And then the music plays from That's Life, which has been heard throughout the picture. It's heard throughout the movie. It's heard on the Murray Franklin show, and now it's heard in that scene. Immediately, we see blood, which implies that he has killed the therapist. And he's officially freed himself of any possible rescue. And in many ways, he's found his own therapy, which is by killing. And that is kind of what makes this character unique, I think. So, um, the only thing I have with the problem with the ending is that they let Bruce Wayne live. When I think it would have been more bold if they had killed Bruce Wayne. If they killed Bruce Wayne, that would have been an even better joke. If you really think about it. That was the original ending they were going to go with before they went with the one they went with. They would have killed Bruce Wayne, and that would have been what Arthur was laughing about, which I think would have been a better joke, because not only would it reveal the poeticness of the villain hero story, it would also twist the, the, the entire story in general. You know the hero always wins? In this case, the hero would lose. And so not Arthur would be laughing because... Not only was a villain born, but a hero was killed before he even became the hero. That would be a way better joke. And not only that, killing Bruce Wayne 
would also, and it would, it would end with literally Arthur killing Bruce Wayne. And that would also kind of prevent Bruce Wayne from suffering any trauma without a father like Arthur did. Arthur would have done Bruce a favor, and it would have added to the ending, and it would have showed that, albeit Arthur did a very terrible action of killing Bruce Wayne, it still would have showed that he didn't want the, the kid to suffer. He didn't want him to suffer a terrible life, albeit a billionaire life. He didn't want him to suffer without a parent, or without a father figure, or without, without someone who would give him anything he wanted. Maybe it was out of jealousy, but it would have added a whole new layer to the story. And we could have also made an interpretation there too. We could have been like, why did he kill Bruce Wayne? What was his intent? And we can easily use hints from the movie to give us an answer. Or not an answer, but a possible interpretation. Add that ending, remove the one they went with, with Bruce Wayne being alive, and just have Arthur laughing, saying he wouldn't get it, and then boom, movie ends, that's life plays. We get a very good ending. Not only an ending that gives us something cool to look at, but it would also give us one to think about. It would actually let us think. And I feel like the original ending didn't do that enough. The ending with Bruce Wayne dying would have been ten times better. And yeah, that's really all I have to say about Joker. I really think Joker deserved the hype it got. It deserved every bit of success it got. And I really hope that some more of you guys see it from my perspective of a father figure story. You can have your opinion. You know, I don't. I won't stop you from saying this is a movie that rips off Taxi Driver. Can't accommodate. I personally think it doesn't use the influence of Taxi Driver as much as it does Can't Accommodate. The only thing that I could say is similar between Taxi Driver is the premise, which is a mentally ill loner literally going against society. That's the only thing. And there are differences, of course. Style, tone, themes are similar, though. So yeah, that's what I'm going to say there. It's a bit more shorter episode than usual, but I didn't really have much planned other than this cool podcast episode. So yeah, I guess that'll be all for today's podcast. And I'll see you all in the next one, next Friday. Maybe a little bit of a Christmas special. So yeah, I'll see you then. Listen to some radio.